Would you please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Three boys were playing and they were bragging about their fathers. It's good for kids to brag about their fathers, isn't it? The first boy said, my dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper and calls it a poem. He gets $50 for it. The second boy said, that's nothing. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a song and he gets $100 for it. The third boy then said to the first two, I got you both beat. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, calls it a sermon, and it takes eight people to collect all the money. <laughs> Some of you are still trying to figure it out, and that's okay. Our theme today is the kind of person God wants you to be. The kind of person God wants you and me to be. As we examine the life of Stephen, we discover the kind of person Stephen was. And many of his characteristics, I believe, are characteristics which God would be eager to see in your life and mine, whether you are a man, a woman, whether you are a father or not a father, whether you are a mother or you're a wonderful single lady. Let's read Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Here is what the Word of God says. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12, that's the apostles, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted to. Verse eight, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy Bible. We thank you, Lord, for the life of Stephen. And I pray, I pray that you would help each one of us to glean some truth that can make a difference in each one of our lives as we examine this part of your holy Bible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So my friends, our theme is the kind of person God wants, God wants you to be and me. The first truth I wanna invite you to focus on is this. Be a person who is eager to carry out practical and compassionate actions towards people. In Acts chapter six, where we just read, in the first five verses, first number of verses, we discover that Stephen was one of seven men especially chosen to carry out the practical and compassionate actions towards people. It was a special assignment Especially and essentially, we are told that Stephen was one of those seven leaders chosen to supervise food distribution to the needy in that first century, in that early church. Now think with me. It is true, it is true that Stephen and the six others were officially chosen, selected to carry out practical and compassionate ministry towards people. But I believe, I believe this is something which the Lord wants all of us to be involved in on a regular basis. Amen? Sometimes showing compassion might involve helping someone with food. Other times it can mean giving someone money to enable them to buy food, to pay their rent, to, to pay their hydro bill, their gas bill, to buy tokens, TTC tokens, or whatever the need might be. On other occasions, showing compassion might involve taking someone to a doctor's appointment, a medical appointment, or babysitting for a mother who needs to go and, and do some errands or just needs a little break from her wonderful demanding children. Right, ladies? Sometimes, sometimes it can, it can be someone's thoughtfulness on occasion, it can be someone's thoughtfulness that can be such a, a blessing at just the right moment. Think about how someone has been thoughtful to you and, and how much it meant. Here's a little example that, that I've been reflecting upon all week. Last Saturday, I officiated an outdoor wedding for a, a wonderful young couple uh, from our church up in Aurora. The wedding was at 6 p.m., in order, in order to be properly prepared for that outdoor wedding, I needed to borrow our church's portable electric keyboard that we have downstairs and a variety of sound equipment to set up at the wedding location. Well, it took me, it took me nearly two hours to load up all the necessary equipment into my vehicle, and our caretaker, Roy Singh, kindly helped me. And by the way, when I say it took me nearly two hours, uh, it, it's not that I'm slow, all right? It's not that I'm slow in loading up, it's just that before I actually can load up equipment when I'm doing a wedding or funerals or other special services in different places, 
You know, before I can actually load up, I have, to, I have to check all the wiring, I have to do all the connections, make sure everything is working properly because when I'm at the other location, I don't have access to all the wiring and all that's needed to make all this electronic, you know, stuff work. So anyway, anyway, uh, then when I, got, when I got to the wedding location, it, it took me about another hour to set up the keyboard and other equipment for the wedding service. Fortunately, the, the wedding ceremony went well. The bride and groom were just marvelous. They were just fantastic. In fact, I had a few pictures. I thought, oh, I, um, I thought, oh it'd be nice to kind of show you those pictures, but I didn't get around to ask them for permission and so on. But anyway, anyway, uh, the bride and groom were just fantastic. Their wedding party was tremendous. In fact, in fact, is the bride and groom here? From last Saturday, bride and groom? I thought I maybe saw them. Wasn't sure. Okay. Maybe it was someone that looked a little bit like them. All right. Anyway, fortunately, everything went well with the wedding ceremony. And then when the wedding ceremony was over, Anthony helped me load up the equipment. Afterwards, the, the bride and groom had planned a, a beautiful, beautiful reception. Eventually, eventually, I got back to the church from the wedding. Uh, I got back to the church building here just after midnight. I think it was about 12, 10 in the morning. And I knew that I still had to unload the keyboard and the various sound equipment and put it back where it belongs and all of that. So when I got back, when I got back to the church, I also knew that I had to go to the kitchen, to the kitchen of the church downstairs to get this cart, this cart that we have on wheels to help me bring in the portable but heavy keyboard and the heavy amplifiers. And like I said, it was after midnight. I was tired physically and emotionally. And um, then when I, when I unlocked the door of the front of the church, when I unlocked the door, getting ready to go downstairs to get the cart, bring it upstairs to load the equipment, behold... When I opened the door, 12.10 in the morning, when I opened the door, I was so blessed. The cart, the cart was right at the door. It had already been brought up from downstairs in the kitchen. Our caretaker, our caretaker, Ron Roy Singh, had said to himself, amen. He said to himself, you know, when Pastor Nick gets back from the wedding, he'll need this cart on wheels. And so Roy placed that cart for me to use right at the door as I came in. And you know, at, at 12, 10 in the morning, that cart, that cart was like water in a desert. <laughs> water in a desert, my friends. So give Roy another hand, would you? Where are you, Roy? Where are you? You're here somewhere. He's right at the back there. Okay, Roy, just because you were so nice to me last week, you, you're promoted, you can sit in the front row now. <laughs> okay. My friends, I want to thank, I want to thank the many of you who carry out practical and compassionate actions towards people. And thank you. And thank you to the many of you who, like Roy, do a lot of thoughtful little things for your family, for your friends, for people in the church here, for me. Sometimes a little thing done at the right time in the right place can be a big thing. 
It can be, it can be like water in the desert. Amen? So in, the, in different ways, let us follow in the footsteps of Stephen who eagerly helped and gave practical and compassionate ministry in his day and age. Amen? Let's go to a second truth. Second truth is this. The kind of person God wants you and me to be is this. Be a person who is full of faith. Full of faith. Verse 5 refers to Stephen as a man full of faith. Faith is, as you see it on the board there, can be defined as reliance. Faith is reliance, loyalty, complete trust in God. That's what, that's what Stephen expressed. That's the kind of faith he lived by. Reflect upon these truths with me about faith, all right? Faith in Jesus saves us from the consequences of our sins. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Faith in Jesus saves us from the consequences of our sins. I want to invite you today to put your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord and know that you are saved from the consequences of your sins. Think also, faith in Jesus can bring healing. Faith can bring healing. The Bible tells us the story of a woman who had suffered. She had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched, she touched the fringe of his garment and the Bible says immediately the bleeding stopped. Jesus turned to her and said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. My friends, may the Lord bring healing to you and to your loved ones in accordance with your need. May the Lord, through his power, bring healing into whatever situation you are facing. For he is our healer, Jesus the healer. Faith also believes. Faith believes the impossible is possible. Luke 1 verse 37 says, for nothing is impossible with God. And Luke 18 verse 27, what is impossible for people is possible with God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Think about that again. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Listen to this. Pastor John Bissanio, 
describes a time when his daughter, Melody, age five, came to him one day and asked, and asked her dad for a dollhouse in the backyard. She asked her dad to build her a dollhouse in the backyard. Well, Pastor John promptly nodded and, and promised to build her one. He said, yes, sweetie, I will build you a dollhouse. Then he went back to reading his book. Soon he glanced out the study window and saw, saw her arms filled with dishes, toys, and dolls, making trip after trip until she had a great pile of playthings in the yard. Pastor John asked his wife what Melody was doing. He was puzzled. And his wife said, oh, sweetheart, you promised to build her a house, and she believes you. She's just getting ready for it. And Pastor Pastor John said, you would have thought I'd been hit by an atom bomb. I threw aside that book, raced to the lumberyard for supplies, and quickly built that little girl a dollhouse. Now, why did I respond, he says. Why did I respond? Because I wanted to? No. Because she deserved it? No. Her daddy had given his word, and she believed it and acted upon it. When I saw her faith, nothing could keep me from carrying out my word. Isn't that beautiful? What do you, what do you need to believe God for today? What do you need to believe the Lord for today? Stephen was a man who was full of faith. I invite you to also be a person full of faith. Amen? We're talking about the kind of person God wants you to be. Number three, be a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 6, verse 5, says, Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. If you read later, Acts 7, verse 55, it says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily onto heaven, steadily into heaven, and saw the glory of God. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says, Acts 2, verse 4, all the believers were, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, 9, Saul, also known as Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18, be filled with the Spirit. And so the question is, are you filled? Have you cried out to the Lord? Have I cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I empty myself and ask you to fill me with your spirit. Your spirit, Lord. Cry out today. 
Radio listeners, radio listeners, cry out today to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? That's the kind of person God wants us to be. Let's go to truth number four. Be a person who is full of God's grace. Full of God's grace. Verse eight, verse eight says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace. Now that, that in itself sounds spiritual, doesn't it? He was full of God's grace. There's something beautiful about that statement. Full of God's grace. But here's the question. What does it mean? What does it mean to be full of God's grace? Here's one definition of grace. I think we have it on the screen. All right. Grace is God's free and unmerited or undeserved favor toward sinful humanity. That sinful humanity is you and me. So stick with me now. To be full of God's grace, I reflected and thought about this. I thought, what is the best way of putting this? Think about it with me. To be full of God's grace is to be totally aware that you and I don't deserve God's love, forgiveness, and blessings. But we have them anyway. Do you see that? Read it with me from the big screen together, all right? Slowly. To be full of God's grace is to be totally aware that you and I don't deserve God's love, forgiveness, and blessings, but we have them anyway. He gives them to us anyway. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? And, and the, Lord, the Lord wants us to grow in our understanding of his grace. For example, 2 Peter 3, verse 18 says this. I think we have it on the screen as well. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Say it with me, would you? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some years ago, a songwriter by the name of Halder Lillinus wrote a, a hymn, wrote this beautiful song in which he tried to capture, he tried to capture the meaning of grace. And he, he called, he called the hymn, Wonderful Grace of Jesus. Some of you know it. We have sung it on occasion. Here are some of the words. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall his praise begin? 
taking away my burden, setting my spirit free, for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. And then the chorus says, wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise his name. Aren't those words beautiful, George? Amen. Next verse says, wonderful grace of Jesus reaching to all the lost. That's you and me. By it I have been pardoned, saved to the uttermost. Chains have been torn asunder, given me liberty, for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Verse 3 says, wonderful grace of Jesus reaching the most defiled. By its transforming power, making him God's dear child. Purchasing peace in heaven for all eternity. And the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. And the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches you and me. My friends, my friends, I invite you to bathe, to bathe in the beauty of the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen? The kind of person God wants you and me to be. Truth number five, number five. Be a person who is full of God's power. Full of God's power. Verse eight, verse eight says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. Full of God's grace and power. I, I believe this truth, I believe this truth is very much activated by the previous four truths that we've talked about when we carry out practical and compassionate actions towards people, towards one another, when, when we are full of faith, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are full of God's grace, we then experience more of God's power. Does that make sense? Yes? Think about these truths. God's power. God's power might enable us to do miracles Verse eight, verse eight says, Stephen performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. May he use you in unusual and unexpected in tremendous ways through his power. Think also, God's power can give us confidence to use whatever abilities he has given us to help people. Yesterday, one of our dear ladies, Marcia, who is working on her doctorate degree, gave an excellent, wonderful, helpful seminar on, on blood sugar issues and, and diabetes. And thank you, thank you. People told me how they were helped so very much by that. Marcia, where are you? You're here somewhere. There you are in heavenly places. Blessings on you. Thank you. And your husband is such an encouragement to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Think also that God's power, God's power can transform an evil heart into a heart of love. 
This past week, tragically, we learned of a man in Orlando, Florida, who with a machine gun sadly killed 49 people and injured more than 50 others. Terrible, terrible, terrible. You know, knowing, knowing that there are people with evil hearts running around, I cannot understand. I, I think I'm fairly well educated, but I cannot understand how any National Rifle Association or any government can allow almost anyone to go into a store and buy a machine gun. Does it make any sense to anybody? No one, no one needs to have a right to buy a machine gun. No one needs a machine gun. It is crazy. Sometimes the things that ought to be lawful aren't. The things that shouldn't be lawful are. We sometimes live in a mixed up world. And the strange thing about it, even the President of the United States hasn't been able to change some of those laws. If you have any kind, my friend, if you have any kind of an evil heart, cry out to God to transform, to change your heart into a heart of love, to get rid of whatever bitterness and evil is there, to cleanse your heart, to purify your heart, for he is the maker of perfect hearts filled with love and not hatred and bitterness. Amen. Remember also that God's power can tame our tongue. God's power can tame our tongue. James 3 verse 2 says, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Does anyone around here need any tongue taming? Anyone need some tongue taming? Then talk to God. Talk to the Lord who is able to give you victory, who is able to tame the tongue. But also know that God's power, God's power can make us holy. Yes, God's power can make us holy. And you can see on the screen, I put them in alphabetical order, A, B, C, for those of you who take notes. God's power can make us holy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 says, God's will, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away, stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. That's a new living translation of the Bible or the New International Version of the Bible says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Do you need to cry out? Do you need to cry out to the Lord to be made holy, to be sanctified through and through? By his power, he is able to bring that about, not because Pastor Nick says so, but because the word of God says so. Amen. Just as we were starting the service, someone handed me a story. And, and, 
and I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think, I think this came from Teresa Pinnock. Is that correct? Teresa, where are you? Somewhere here. Thank you. Anyway, the note said, Pastor, maybe you'd like to read this story on Father's Day. Here it is. A frail old man went to live with his son, daughter-in-law, and four-year-old grandson. The old man's hands trembled, his eyesight was blurred, and his step faltered. The family ate together at the table, but the elderly grandfather's shaky hands and failing sight made eating difficult. Peas rolled off his spoon onto the floor. When he grasped the glass, milk spilled on the tablecloth. The son and daughter-in-law became irritated with the mess. We must do something about father, said the son. I've had enough of his spilled milk, noisy eating, and food on the floor. So the husband and wife set a small table in the corner. And there, grandfather ate alone while the rest of the family enjoyed dinner. Since grandfather had broken a dish or two, his food was served in a wooden bowl. When the family glanced in grandfather's direction, sometimes he had a tear in his eye as he sat alone. Still, the only words the couple had for him were sharp admonitions when he dropped a fork or spilled food. The four-year-old watched it all in silence. One evening before supper, remember the four-year-old watched, one evening before supper, the father noticed his son playing with wood scraps on the floor. He asked the child sweetly, what are you making? Just as sweetly, the boy responded, oh, I am making a little boy for you, I, I, I am making a little bowl, B-O-W-L, I am making a little bowl for you and mama to eat your food in when I grow up. <laughs> the four-year-old smiled and went back to work. The word so struck the parents that they were speechless. Then tears started to stream down their cheeks. Though no word was spoken, both knew what must be done. That evening, the husband took grandfather's hand and gently led him back to the family table. For the remainder of his days, he ate every meal with the family. And for some reason, Neither husband nor wife seemed to care any longer when a fork was dropped, milk spilled, or the tablecloth soiled. Thank you, Teresa. The kind of person God wants you and me to be. Here's what we've talked about. Be a person who is eager to carry out practical and compassionate actions towards people. Be a person who is full of faith. 
filled with the Holy Spirit, full of God's grace, full of God's power. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the ways in which you inspire us through Stephen, through this part of your holy Bible. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you, you are in the process of transforming each of us more and more into the kind of person you want us to be. Inspire us, motivate us to show compassion, to be full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of your grace, full of your power. Let it be so, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.